Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Well, welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program for the first time on the road at the Iowa State Fair, fellas. Let's go. We, we, we have a live crowd. This isn't a studio audience. We are out at the fair. We're at a uh, Duncan Plug. JR South Pork Ranch. That's right. That's I mean, right. This is as good as it gets. The hospitality has been incredible. Everyone in Iowa has been incredible. We got some real patriots out here. I'm staring at David Young, former Congressman David Young. What's up, pal? How are you? We have great sponsors, by the way. Priorities for Iowa is sponsoring the program. You know what the tagline is on this, sucker? Huh. You're going to love this. Owning the libs and driving them out of the heartland since 2014. Hell yeah. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. Priorities for Iowa. I love it. We have got action-packed delegation coverage. We've got tips for all state fairs. Fellas, this just feels good to be in the heartland, doesn't it? It's incredible. It's incredible. We we have this emergency bacon here from JR South Pork Ranch. They gave us a fanny pack. It's a fanny pack. But inside, they they got wrapped up bacon. Yeah. It's bacon on the go. Brilliant (laughs) idea. How is this not done before? (laughs) I don't know, but anybody who fills a fanny pack with bacon as just sort of a must takeaway, I think we're heading in the right direction, guys. That's right. This is is as good as get. We are going to play games. We're going to have all kinds of great line. We've got Representative Ashley Henson, fantastic. We've got Joni Ernst, fantastic. We've got Senate Majority Leader Jack Whitver. Blackjack. Blackjack Whitver, we call him here on the program. Uh, and we've got Governor Kim Reynolds coming for you. That's a lineup. Uh, it, I mean, this is as good as it gets. And we have the atmosphere of the fair. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so folks, you might hear some tractors. You might hear some folks shouting. You might hear some livestock. It's an amazing, amazing place to be. This is good. And and here's the thing. We're also going to play some games. We are. You're never going to get out of a ruthless program without playing a few games. We're going to play some games, and, and it's a hot day. So we got these lovely uh, fans here. Uh, got these from the NRCC. Oh, yeah. You've seen is, these? What do we have here? Yeah. What do we have here? It's, it's Cindy Axney is Pelosi's number one fan. It's yeah, really, it's, it's nice. It's a it's fan. A, on a hot day, this is pretty smart. It's a nice. hand fan. Yeah. Boy, the NRCC really gets it, huh? Shipping these things out to us. That's a good idea. Fantastic. Oh man, that's terrific. Well, we had look, we had a big happy hour last night. Yes. Where we literally had, I mean, there were like literally hundreds. Yeah, I, the turnout. You know, to all the minions, thank you so much for showing up to that happy hour. We had folks coming from uh, California, Minnesota, all across the U.S. Folks flew in. Flo- uh, folks drove in. Yeah, spe- special shout-out to Lisa uh, from Southern California who came all the way here. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's a long drive. We got Everson loaded enough with beer here. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man, it just doesn't get any better than this. You this know, is- I-, I knew we were in the right place. When they open the fair, they start playing the national anthem, and every single person here, yes. folks, stops in their tracks, salutes the flag, and cheers. See, it, here's the thing. It's the small things, but it, it's sad that that's amazing. But, man, is it amazing. So we've got, we have listeners in all 50 states and, like, a bunch of international countries, right? Yeah, yeah a lot. Yeah. So there's, but the, if you live in a blue state, 
you think that that kind of thing is dead. You, you, no one took a knee. You know, no there was one not tried a, knee a Nike taken. deal or something. Uh, it was beautiful. Nobody and was, I knew I was in the right place then. Nobody was hunting for Nike deals. Yeah. Everybody had hands over heart, singing along. And it literally stopped the fair. It was fantastic. It, it stopped. Everyone stops dead in their tracks to lose the flag. Beautiful. So if you're losing faith in the core of America, you come to Iowa because, I mean, you'll reinforce your view. This is a great place. The heartland, baby. <laughs> I love it. So, um, fellas, what do you think we should do? Should we try to play a game right off the bat or should we Should we actually? Yeah. No, let's not do it. I wanna, let's Make them wait for it. they got to wait for the candy. Yeah, we, gotta, we can't give the candy right up front. I'll, here's what I want to know. Um, let's talk about Biden. Let's talk about Afghanistan. Let's talk about the American people and where they're at. Because I think over the last three, four months, what people have said about Biden, every time there's a critique about whether the economy is working, the crisis at the border, everything else, they always point to a poll number. That's right. Right? That's right. And and what what we got some fresh poll numbers, folks. Yeah, so what do these things say? Well, Biden's approval rating has dropped below 50%. Uh-oh. It only took like nine crises, you know, the border falling apart, uh, Afghanistan becoming an absolute nightmare. And it turns out it's it's now becoming obvious to everyone the old man's not at the wheel. Yeah, yeah. Who'd have thought the guy who was on vacation while, uh, you know, we're trying to get Americans out, he closed down the airfield. He's like, well, uh, I guess an airport will work. You saw folks hanging off of planes, and he's on vacation. Yeah, well, the thing that really struck me, there's two things that really struck me about Afghanistan. Obviously, it's a horrible thing to watch and an extreme embarrassment for our country, no matter where you are and whether we leave troops in or not. This, is, this has been absolutely horrible to watch. But, I mean, the, the bottom line is, if, you're, if your goal is to try to get out of a country altogether, you probably shouldn't give up the Air Force Base before you get your people out. I mean, it seems like a a no-brainer. And and the way that they're trying to, like, deflect and say, oh, well, it was time to leave, that is not the issue. The issue is you at least get your people out safely. It's it's like the bare minimum to ask for. And you you listen to the State Department blame the Department of Defense, the Department of Defense blaming the intelligence agencies. The White House, what really struck me was that Biden, as this is all going on, didn't have a single conversation with a world leader. Right. Not one. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Dude, he, I mean, we talked about it before, but he, he did that whole uh, press conference where he blamed everyone else for 20 minutes, then says the buck stops with me, and then he went back to Camp David. It's just incredible. I cannot believe that happened. I would love to have been in that room before he got out there, and he was like, hey, uh, I'm going to go back to Camp David. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Well, how, I don't understand. If you're if you're there, if you're advising Joe Biden, and you fly him back meaningless. Right. I mean, right. it's not like they don't have cameras in Camp David. Right. But you fly him back all the way to the White House, and you're like, oh, good job, boss. Great job. Go back to Camp David. <laughs> There's this great tweet from Greg Price, friend of the program. He said, what I learned from this press briefing uh, that, that, that they just got about what's been going on is we don't know how many Americans remain in Afghanistan. We can't guarantee they'll be evacuated after August 31st. U.S. weapons probably landed in the hands of the Taliban, and Biden has spoken to zero world leaders since Kabul fell. That is unbelievable. It's just so, I mean, if you try to put this through the prism of what if Trump had done this, like just imagine for a second. Well, it would be, you know, another round of articles of impeachment. No, it wouldn't be. It literally would be impeachment. I mean, that's not even an exaggeration. There would be, because this is a dereliction of duty, the likes of which we haven't seen in a very long time. When is the last time we've had an international crisis like this that has humiliated our country, put 
men and women in in our service in danger. Yes. And then and then abandon our allies in the process. And well, he, there was that incredible tweet um, uh, that was the. I don't know if it was an autoresponder email or some email that went out to American personnel right. in country that was basically like, hey, you got to get, you know, to the airport. Oh, by the way, we cannot guarantee your safety in doing so. You know, so they send an email to the remaining Americans yeah. in Afghanistan saying, uh, you know, you can go to the airport, but we can't guarantee your safety. So, somebody tweeted, uh, uh, your call is very important to us. Yeah. That's which it. is just like hilarious and so sad. Totally sad. Totally sad. But here's the thing. As we've talked all along in the Variety program, the important part for conservatives here as we're talking about all this is to focus on the obvious prop. We all may have different points of view on whether or not, like, Bagram Air Force Base should have remained under uh, American control. Smug and I probably do. Smug probably thinks that we ought to have gotten out altogether. I feel like it's 20 years of hard work. You ought not to get it. But all that's irrelevant. The only point that everybody should be focusing on at this point is the idea that these guys had such a dereliction of duty. They had no planning, no strategic That's vision, right. absolutely nothing. They put this country in incredibly dangerous places. As a result, they've emptied these prisons. That's correct. Like, uh, as the Taliban basically took over in a weekend when Joe Biden gave, you know, a month earlier, Joe Biden gives a speech saying that, like, well, the Taliban is not the North Vietnamese Army, folks. Come on. They can't take over that place. It, well, I think he, you know what? He actually was right about that because it took the North Vietnamese Army, I think it was like nine months before they could take <laughs> all of Vietnam and, and, and the Taliban did it to Biden in a weekend. I mean, it, tru it truly is remarkable and it's just a sad thing. We are, uh, oh my gosh, there's Senator Joni Ernst who just walked in the door. Amazing. Incredible. Well, let's, let's, let's get this interview started then. We, we, we will let her get uh, all, come on in, come, come on, on in. We are God, live. Great to see her. <laughs> so great to see her. Welcome, Joni Ertz, everybody. So we'll we'll let her get set up, but but I, this is a good transition, honestly, because we should talk to an expert when we're talking about Afghanistan. Yeah, what well, perfect timing. I know. I mean, it really this is, is only what happens at the Iowa State Fair, folks. You can, you can get Joni Ernst wow. to show up. Oh my goodness! Oh, more we got a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> Another bottle. Of multiple bourbon. bottles of bourbon. <laughs> Templeton Rye, let's go. You people, this is incredible. I mean, this is the hospitality. We're never huh? going to leave Iowa. Yeah, I honestly <laughs> cancel the return Thank flight. You. Oh my gosh. I've got my mini boys in back just eyeing these, eyeing these bottles. Unbelievable. Hold them up. Hold them up. Get a shot. I love it. I know this one of them's not going to make it to DC. Absolutely not. <laughs> at least, at least, at least uh, I love it. Senator Joni Ernst. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the program. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Oh, oh you're making my Iowa State Fair. I mean, Thank it's you. so good. It's so, it, first of all, it's so nice of you to be here because I know you've got an incredibly busy schedule. Not to mention, I know you're monitoring a lot of stuff in D.C. right yes. now. And we've been talking to your office about all the efforts that you've been having for Iowans that are, you know, may or may not be trapped in Afghanistan, but because our federal government is not uh, doing its work through the State Department, it sounds like it's up to you as a senator to try to figure this thing out, which is sad, but I'm glad you're there to do it. 
Well, I'm, I am glad to do it. I do have a lot of folks that are reaching out to me and my office. They are desperate, um, whether they are in Afghanistan or whether they have worked with an Afghan that was an interpreter or someone who has assisted them as a member of the National Guard or the Marines, you know, whatever the situation, we're running all of that information down and then passing it on to the State Department in the hopes that we can get these people out of Afghanistan, but there are no assurances from our federal government that they will be able to do so. I mean, it's just incredible. So the, the first round of, basically they just ignored it, right? They gave over Bagram Air Force Base and then, you know, oh, by the way, we have a humanitarian problem here. They say that they didn't fully appreciate. But the fact of the matter is, is that they actually had no way of getting these people out, right? I mean, they, they, they literally just gave over the Air Force Base and the State Department asked people in Afghanistan to fill out a form online in order to get pulled out? Right. Right. And, and exactly. It goes back to what I've said over and over again about this withdrawal. And the, the issue is not whether we should be withdrawing. At, at some point, I think most Americans would say, okay, you know, it's a stable government. We need to get out. But the problem is the way they have gone about this. It was such a hasty, haphazard withdrawal. It really gave um, the folks that are in Afghanistan no opportunity to get out. You know, this administration said over and over again, we're going to keep the embassy open. There will be means of, of processing these immigrant visas. And yet look what happened over the course of one weekend. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I'm curious, just because of your background as a veteran, somebody served in Iraq, correct? Yes, Um, yes. I mean, you obviously have a lot of associates who were in Afghanistan from veterans who, you know, some who sacrificed all for what we were trying to accomplish, but families who've been, you know, inalterably changed in one way or another because they had a loved one serving overseas. Mm -hmm. I got to imagine this is a pretty tough time on a lot of the friends that you made and were talking to, looking at what's now happening and thinking back to their service over the last 20 years. Absolutely, and um, a shout out to the 168 Infantry Battalion right here in the Iowa Army National Guard. Um, Our, what we call them, our Lethal Battalion, that's their nickname, Lethal. (laughs) And they have served in Afghanistan. I had the opportunity to spend Saturday evening with them at their dining out ceremony. And there in attendance at that dining out was the father of a friend of mine, James Carney. Um, this young man lost his life in mm-hmm. Afghanistan, so I, I've known his father. Um, I knew his son, Jamie, uh, before he came into the National Guard. I'd spoken with him about coming into the Guard. And uh, Jamie lost his life in Afghanistan, just a wonderful young man. Also in attendance was Brenna Maher. Her husband, Brent, had lost his life in Afghanistan. And there are so many of those members of that battalion and everywhere else across Iowa. All of them are asking me, you know, what was my sacrifice for? Was it worth it? And I remind every last one of them that absolutely your sacrifice is worth it because you have kept America safe for the past two decades. God bless them. It it actually can't be overstated enough, right? No, never. We have a ton of veterans who listen to this too. It can't be understood. Where we were in 2001, under imminent attack, our, our little symbol of our financial markets fell to the ground. And we'd had four or five terrorist attacks within a 10-year period. We were on constant siege, right? 
yes. the sacrifice that everybody in the armed services had going to Afghanistan to make sure that they weren't able to conduct terror missions against the United mm -hmm. States or our embassies, by the way. Right, right. Was, we now look back at it, and I don't, think, I don't feel like there's enough memory to have everybody really appreciate how this was a daily concern at the time. Now we don't, cons it's like we've moved past that. And it's important that we remind everybody. And I know you do that, which is terrific. Yeah. And, and thank you for that. And I think that is an excellent point in that Americans muscle memory when it comes to terrorist attacks, uh, it's faltered, yeah. you know, be, and that maybe is a good thing, but it, because it shows that our men and women in uniform who have been taking the fight to the terrorists overseas, they have done their Hell job. Yeah, that's right. Hell yeah. They've that's done right. their job. Yep. And so again, God bless them every single day for the service and sacrifice. I get very passionate about it. I obviously am very upset at the administration right now. And I, I alternate between rage and sadness um, over this whole situation. There's much more to follow on, folks. We've got a couple of rough weeks, I think, ahead of us as we're trying to get Americans out. But what I cannot understand is this administration acknowledging we may not be able to get all of the Americans out of the country. It's unreal. It's the lowest bar to clear. It's the only bar to clear. I mean, if your job is to get out, if you've already decided you're getting out, you got one job. Exactly. You know? Uh, it it's is. incredible. Well, yes. I, I have a question I want to ask. So, leading up to this, before the debacle, what was the administration, the Biden administration, communicating to folks in the Senate about what this process is going to look like, how they're going to accomplish it? They, uh, there's, there's all these reports coming out now that, uh, you know, the intelligence community was telling the administration that this could be a problem, that this is the fighting season. Does it seem like the the, the Biden administration had a handle on it at all? Were they communicating? Were they in touch? Uh, with the Senate and, and letting you folks know what's going on? Was there any real plan in place from them? Hey, Smug, okay. Communication from the White House. <laughs> yeah, right. An out okay. of office from, from Sackey. So, yes. So this, this is the deal, folks. And I've been so critical of this administration because with all of this going on, with the drawdown of troops in Afghanistan, 20 years that we've engaged in counterterrorism operations there, you would think that somebody from the White House, somebody from the DOD, somebody from the State Department would be briefing us on this. What they had referred us to were the lower level people that work in these agencies. We did not hear from Secretary Austin. We did not hear from Secretary Blinken. We didn't hear from General Milley. Wow. Um, until Sunday, until Sunday, until this Sunday. last Sunday, on a 45-minute telephone call. So do you think that's a result of just gross incompetence? Or do you think it's actually, because I've got a theory about how the Pentagon knew this was going to be a problem. and they, it, it, Because everything points, in my, in my view, to the idea that the Biden administration basically overruled the best judgment of the military commander. And I can tell you that that is exactly the case. Yeah. Wow. And that's why I don't think that we had information that was forthcoming from some of these different communities because they did. They provided their best, best military advice right. to the president and this administration. And yet the president chose not to take their suggestions and do it his way. And I, I'm sorry, but President Biden, this is a failure. Absolutely. So not taking that, it's all on his shoulders. It is. That's right. It's all on him. And God willing, we can get through this. And 
actually recover all of our people. And I know you guys are working on that. I want to lighten the mood a little bit ah, because, good. to be honest with you, Tony. <laughs> I could go on. <laughs> I, I, well, we could talk about it all day, but we're in Iowa. That's yes. Right. We're in Iowa. Yes. And um, I'd be remiss if I didn't start with my Iowa. As the, you just had an election where you just ran roughshod over the Democrats' hand, hand-picked <laughs> right. candidate. Everybody was pick, predicting your imminent demise, and it wasn't even close. Oh, gosh. You know, it was it was a rough year. And uh, let me tell you, not only were we dealing with, with COVID, so it was a very serious situation, but I also had a candidate because of COVID that it allowed her to hide away in her right. basement. Yep. Which happened with Joe Biden, yep. too. It was the best thing that ever happened to terrible <laughs> candidates because they got away with so much. Right. And, you know, Iowans, and you can see it right here at the great, beautiful Iowa State Fair. You know, you have to get out. As an Iowa politician and someone that represents the people of Iowa, you have to be out with the people right. of Iowa. And they saw that. And they saw through the Democrats' attempt to slip these candidates in without having them properly vetted by the people of Iowa. Well, that's the thing here. You got to go out and you got to meet people, yeah. right? I think yep. the first in the nation status is obviously a big part of that. I think the other part of that is this is Midwestern sort of familial camaraderie, yes. right? It's like yes. the people, they want to see you, they want to say hello. I mean, how many people walking into this place did you guys just see and just wave to and say hello? Like, that doesn't happen in no. D.C. No, no. <laughs> that doesn't happen, matter, right? matter of fact, in D.C., when I first moved to Washington, D.C., um, I lived in an apartment kind of on the hill, and so I'd walk into work. And it was so hard for me because I'm saying hello to everybody that I pass on the sidewalk. Right. And they're giving me this look like, oh, my God, this woman's crazy. She's, she's lost her mind. Um, and then I noticed when my daughter came to visit, she was in high school. And so we're walking in. She was coming into the office with me. And she's doing it, too. She's saying hello to everybody on the sidewalk. And they're all kind of giving a sideways look. It's the, like, it's the funniest thing about oh. the East Coast and D.C. or New York in particular is, like, no one will meet your eye line. No. Right, then you walk in by them. There are no hellos. It's it's sort of head down, you know, on That's the phone. Right. Exactly. Fairness, you don't know what you're going to. It's true. Run into yeah, in these right. here. You got true red-blooded oh patriotic Americans everywhere you look. It's just amazing. amazing people here, and yes, and and so it is ingrained in us here in Iowa. You know, whether you're driving in your truck heading into town, and, and my dad, you know, all the farmers, they're famous for their farmer wave. You know, they just kind of oh, yeah. wave. You wave at everybody. Right. And you say hello to everybody when you're in town. The, the, because the, 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 kind of the one finger kind of yeah. shake it from forward. The, from the steering wheel. Yes, from the steering wheel. <laughs> yeah. You do that. Um, and, and my fear was always, if you don't, if you miss saying hello to somebody, you'll offend them. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I took that to D.C. And I was just afraid, I'm going to offend all these, look at all these people. I'm going to offend them because I'm not saying hello to them. Uh, I learned different. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but the important part is you never lost that. Uh, yeah, It's yeah. still, it's, I mean, look, for those who, who haven't had the pleasure of meeting Joni Ernst, she's a person who you walk into the Senate and everybody thinks, like, you know, that they're the next president of the United States when they look at themselves in the mirror. And then you find this <laughs> incredibly refreshing personality who just makes you smile. So I appreciate that more than almost anything oh, else. thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. So you got to give us some fair tips. Okay. Um, yeah, the first, the first question I have about the fair is, 
what is the single best thing to eat if you could have only one thing to eat here? The corn dog. The corn dog. The corn dog. Oh. The corn Straight dog. up classic. We I'm talked sorry, about it. Is. This. It's a cl- it's yeah. a classic. We did talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't go into detail. Corn, corn dog's a uh, controversial pick for, yes. for, for elected officials attending fairs and such. You, okay, so the corn dog is the best, but you have to be very, very careful That's in right. eating the corn dog. That's right. You've got to find some privacy, uh, especially when there's a lot of cameras out That's there. The thing. We're waiting for the camera. It's a rip and pull. It's a rip and pull. Rip Who was it that pull. had the corn dog incident? Uh, Rick Perry had one. And Michelle Bachman. And Michelle Bachman. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, legendary. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. Google it. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. It's like probably the first thing that pops up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. So first I didn't get it. You know, when, I, right. when I'm when i running for the Senate the first time, I, I didn't understand that. Right. And my uh, my staff, you know, they, they said, ooh, uh, just Google <laughs> Rick Perry, corn dog, you'll get it. It's just oh, not a good whoops. look. It's just I not know. a good look. You know? not, not a good look. <laughs> No, but it's your favorite. But it is a good food. Yeah, yeah it is. Oh, my gosh. It yeah. is a good food. All right, so the corn dog is number one. We're going to try to get as many animals down in the process. We've got pork. we got beef. I'm going to have a fermented shark. They, they got fermented shark here. I'm definitely having that. Oh, They have okay. fermented <laughs> shark? shark? Yeah. <laughs> Where is this? Oh, so, my gosh. So we're going to do the, like, you know, 10-minute contest of, 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 the, of the three of us to see who can eat the most animals in that amount of time. Oh, and I've yeah. had Foldy out there scouting. Oh yeah, and Wait, he found he's out from there scouting right now. Foldy, I mean, this is a this is a. This I mean, is this is fair. Game. This is fair. You just got to do your homework. They got fermented. It's unbelievable. He's got a cheat code. at the fair. <laughs> I love it. Probably there's probably something from every animal group. Yeah. Here at the Iowa State Fair. That's what I would think. And that's it's probably all delicious. I love that. <laughs> so all right. So beyond the corn dog, we'll get through all of that. We got to see the butter cow. Yes. I was in, I took a selfie with the butter cow earlier, and we had had a discussion earlier about how they reutilize the butter. That was shocking they to me. They recycle it. Yeah. So I did ask the gentleman that was taking me into the refrigerator where the butter cow is, how old, approximately how old <laughs> right. the butter is that's actually on the butter cow. And it they cycle it in in phases. Um, but the oldest butter, he said, he thinks was brought in sometime around 2008. There oh, was what? there was a refrigerator incident oh. that occurred. Took out the first cow? The, and the butter melted. Uh-oh. And so they had to start with new butter. I just so, love, yeah. I, I love that it's like a monument and requires like. Periodic <laughs> <laughs> updates. Yeah, yeah, we had you know, we got to update it, you know, do some renovations of the right. butter cow. Right. And I imagine it's the same recipe. Right? Yeah. It's got to yeah. be the same because it's the same well, it's, color. It's butter. But I'm just, yeah. well, I guess, <laughs> yeah, but there's more to it I guess what I'm wondering is, is it's like when they work on the Capitol and they put the scaffolding around. You got to scaffold around the butter cow, oh, make yeah. sure you, you right. know, get it I in get nice. It. Yeah. Yep. I was unfamiliar with the history of the butter cow. This is now like broadened my horizons. Mine's blown. My mind's blown. So don't, I think the bottom line is don't roll the corn in the cob in the butter cow. Right. No. And don't swipe a waffle on it. Yeah. Nothing like that. Okay. You don't stuff. want to eat that butter. <laughs> You're going to get You're going to get some stuff. All right. So, Senator Joni Ernst, I got three big questions for you. Okay. And we've been pining to get you on the program for a long time. So, the fact that we can do this in Iowa. Oh, I love it. It's worth the trip. Thank you so much for uh, being here. It's fantastic. All right. So, first question. You got to think about this just 
Open your mind. Okay, mind's open. Your last Mm. meal on earth. No consequence. It's your last meal no matter what. What would it be? Spaghetti with meat sauce. Amazing pick. Wow. Wow. Spaghetti with meat sauce. Yeah. You know, my mom, when we were kids, we, you know, quick and easy meal, my mother would make a spaghetti and like ragu thing. out of a can or a jar, and then she would brown the hamburger and mix it in with my mom the, did the same jar. Thing. It's the best. It I'm sorry, the, it it's so great. easy, but it is the best. So that would be <laughs> my, my last meal. So hot tip on that. If you make too much spaghetti and sauce, like it's just way too much. You can actually put it in like a uh, like a pie dish, yeah, and you can cheese. throw it in the oven. Put some cheese, cheese on, top, on top, throw it in the oven. It makes spaghetti pie. Oh, wow, incredible! It. It's like yeah. a spaghetti I lasagna. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, so love it. Next time, that's I'm gonna a do it. All right, <laughs> all right. So, second question is: If you never got into politics at all, no intersection with public service, mm. what do you think you'd be doing with your life? Well, it is kind of a public service. But have you ever seen the tug operators at the airport? Oh, yeah. They oh. push the airplanes yeah. out, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, the little tug, yeah. you drive it, yeah. push the airport, you know, the airplane out. I think I would do that or be a baggage handler because that'll keep you in shape. Um, <laughs> but I just love that. The simplicity of it, you know, you get your schedule. Okay, I need to push this Delta plane out right. or United, whatever. But I just thought, wow, what a time to sit there, clear your head, yes. you know, think about, ponder all the things in the world. And it takes I love skill. It. it does. You don't want to clip a wing. It does. I'm telling you. Right. Um, the men and women that do that, God bless them. You know, they're getting people where they need to go. So, yeah. Well, you yeah. know what I love about that answer is the best feeling when you're traveling, particularly if you've been delayed, <laughs> is, is oh. the feeling of pushing back. Oh, yeah. You know, and you're like, yep. We're on the way. Yeah, the so you're, you're made it happen. Right. You're making a lot of smiles. You're <laughs> that that guy's low key the most right? popular guy at the airport. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> no public recognition there, but it is a public service. That's right. That's exactly giving right. The, the traveling public where they need to go. Oh, I love that answer. Okay, so third and final question: What motivates Joni Ernst more, the thrill of victory? Or the agony of defeat. <laughs> I think the thrill of victory. You seem like that. <laughs> no matter what it is, man, I want to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thrill of victory. Definitely. You're a thrill. You're a thrill victory person. I don't know that a bigger optimist that I've ever come across. Thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm an eternal <laughs> optimist. I am. I am. Thank I you. I love that. And listen, I can't thank you enough for just coming out and representing here. We saw you last night at the happy hour. You're here today. I mean, thank you. Yeah. This is terrific. I know you got a busy schedule. Oh, really appreciate it's amazing. It. Well, again, this this really is one of the highlights of the Iowa State Fair, having you all out here. And the fact that you chose the Iowa State yes, Fair. Absolutely. Yes. Um, it, it means a lot to Iowa. It means a lot to a lot of us that listen to your podcast. And we just really appreciate the fact that you're highlighting Iowa, the great things that we have to yeah. offer, and the tremendous politics. Yes. That, that live in the hearts of all That's Iowans. Right. I love it. Senator Joni Ernst, everybody. Yeah. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you so much. That was perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. And now, our main event, 
in the red corner, hiding out of his own Twitter account. A man standing five feet eight inches tall, Matthew Mel Pattern Down. And now, in the blue corner, standing five feet four inches tall, completely covered in cat hair, fighting out of the Washington Post, Jennifer Brain Worms Rubin! Oh my god, the live intro adds so much. That's incredible. <laughs> incredible. I love it. I love it. Listen, Smug, you're the champion. You've got Brain Worms. She's had a hot week. I don't even know how I'm going to compete with this. I I'm going to go right off the bat. Oh, you're going to go right, just try to right kill, into, kill me I mean, in the cradle. I mean, this, yeah, this is just a straight up. I'm going for a two-round knockout here. Tweet from Jennifer Rubin. Brutally honest. Accepts responsibility. The best speech under the circumstances. Now better damn well get those people out. <laughs> this, is, this is the Biden, that was, that Biden Afghanistan assessment. speech. Yeah, so all's yeah. well. The one where he blamed everyone, said the buck stops with me, and then goes back to Camp David. Jen loved it. I'm just she loved it. I bet Ron Klain RT'd that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key for a good Ruben tweet. That's what she fishes for. Well, you you know, there's that that subset of Ruben tweets that are designed for just three people and they all work in the West. It's Wing. a genre. It is a genre yeah. of hers. Yeah. Well, she specializes in it. My guy has got range. Range. He's got range. And he, too, had a hot week. Okay. All right. So I got Ma Matthew Mail patterned out. He's, he, too, is weighing in on Afghanistan. You're going to love it. Uh, the response by the GOP and so many Democrats in D.C. to events in Afghanistan underlines what I have been saying for years. GOP feels no shame and Dems feel shame way too quickly. Biden is right in what he is doing. Support him vigorously. <laughs> wow. That is monster take. That's a monster take. Man, that's good too. I mean, he, he doesn't even give half of it away. She gives half of it away. Right. He, he's all in. Okay. Support him vigorously. He's doing the right thing. Support, support him vigorously. Vigorously. Is this, this guy wants to restore the Republican Party? <laughs> yeah. He's going to take back the party? It's as good as it gets. Um, all right, Smug, let's hear yours again. Brutally honest. Accept responsibility. The best speech under the circumstances. <laughs> now better damn well get those people out. Okay, so here's... She is a caveat. It's incredible. No, no, no. no what, what, what I love about that tweet is the last line added to make it seem like she has a thread left of her reputation. <laughs> you know? Where she's trying to cling to this thread of her reputation, you know, and not just completely sell out. Yeah. Under the circumstances. Under the circumstances. Right. Now get him out. But the fact that Dowd, a former Republican strategist, senior advisor to George W. Bush, 
on the issue of Afghanistan. Yes. On the issue of Afghanistan, says that Biden got it right. So, uh, supporting vigorously. It's the vigorously. That's the line that sort of edges it above Jennifer Rubin. Wow. Dowd wins round one. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, look, taking the first round in a live broadcast, I'm going to put that in the memoirs. <laughs> it's a big deal. That's good. It's a big deal. All right. So, I got a lead here. Uh, Dowd from Texas, as yeah. you remember. Says a lot of things about Governor Abbott. Yeah. Governor Abbott, Abbott has been a disastrous governor and should resign. With that being said, I wish him well in a full recovery from COVID. I just wish he had one percentage of the compassion others are showing him to my fellow Texans. <laughs> He's talking about himself right. showing the compassion. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's the key to that. He's managed to <laughs> pat his own back on a tweet. It's incredible. Genius stuff. Genius stuff. Resign, but also get better. <laughs> I mean, what a colossal asshole. A colossal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, smug, you got to bring us something here, pal. Okay. Yo, what's up, brother? This is, and you have to remember, this is coming from Jen Rubin, who is like probably the number one cheerleader for the war. Yes. The urge to wrap up 20 years of ill-conceived war in a threat of recriminations and to project certainty decades into the future is misguided, especially coming from those who got so little right for so long. Oh, does she know her name is Jen Rubin? Oh but the closers, is a little humility and patience too much to ask? Oh, my God. Oh, no, 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 no. I just can't no, believe you no. didn't play this first. No. That's that's it. That's I the don't Jen, even, Jen I Rubin wins. I walk away. That I is one-to-one. One. Yes. Sir, that is a bomb. That, that is a bomb. Insane. That might actually be the worst <laughs> take we have ever played in this game on this podcast. That is incredible. Wow. I've got one that I feel like I've been saving for my third. Well, you don't have to go first. No, I'm not going to, but I feel like before you declare oh, you the feel best good. tweet of all time, okay. I want you to reserve judgment until you hear my final Okay, take. we'll hear it. Okay. All right, Smuggle. I I'm going to play this one. This is not only a tweet. This is her article. In the Washington Post, opinion. <laughs> Biden gave the best possible defense of his Afghanistan withdrawal. That's it. That's it. That's it. Wow. Again, it's kind of like the first one. It's totally. This is in the Washington Post. You're letting Jen Rubin say that was the best possible defense of a, a, a 10 minute, you know, flight from Camp David. Show up at the White House. Give a 10-minute speech and get out of it. And then deuces. I'm going to put you out of your misery because I'm going upper deck here, Smug. Wow. I'm going upper deck. It's, I'm calling it. You're calling your shot. I'm calling it. Also, the greatest terrorist threat to Americans is not from the Taliban in Afghanistan. It's the growing violent domestic terrorism with deep roots and white supremacy. Oh, come on. Holy shit. <laughs> Let us deal squarely with oh, white God. nationalist terrorists here. I heed. I mean, yeah, that, that, Drop that is, the bat. That it's take it. The it's it. You win. <laughs> Holmes wins. Congratulations to Dowd and and Holmes on a great victory. I love it. Oh, what a game! It's something about having a live game. Yeah, what you guys I'm love a it? live audience here. <laughs> it's How about amazing. the announcer, huh? That's incredible. 
it's kind of like a little Jimmy Lennon Jr. flavor, right? It's got like the old school boxing, but yeah, I love it. We're very excited to have Representative Ashley Hinson with us, right to kick things off, ready to go. How are you? Welcome to the program. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, and um, always welcome to Iowa. Um, This is my hometown here in Des Moines, and so I'm really glad to be back at the fair this year. Well, the hospitality couldn't be better here at the fair. We are so excited. And by the way, you have brought us something significant here, a Cedar Ridge bourbon. Yes. So um, actually, post-prohibition, Cedar Ridge was the first distillery to open in Iowa. And so I brought you some Iowa bourbon whiskey. um, And the date on it is July 4th of 21, but it's it's aged. So um, incredible three years. But um, you can't drink all day if you don't start before noon. Ah, (laughs) Let's go. go. To go with your bacon. I mean, that's, you know, bourbon and bacon. They're a pair made in in heaven, really. And, you know, as you know, we just had the Field of Dreams game here last week. So heaven. Did you go to that? I did. Amazing. You got to tell me about this. It looked incredible on television. There's just something special. And I, I, the uh, hair on my arms raises up when I think about the players coming out of the field even now, a week later almost. You know, it's just, it's amazing. It was an amazing experience. Just a magical game. The most watched baseball game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in years. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. And it just shows how special Iowa is. Oh, it's so great. And I mean, for those of you who didn't watch the Field of Dreams, the old Field of Dreams movie. The field still stands, and MLB did it play the game there. And it, I mean, talk about a good game, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Watching them hit, I mean, I was cheering for both teams right. because I'm a Cubs fan anyway. So okay. I was like, okay, well, I'll just I'll just cheer for anybody who's hitting the ball well at this right. point. You know? So, um, yeah, just seeing them slug it into the corn. Yeah, you're rooting for the corn field. I was like, yeah, go court. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, how we do it here in Iowa. Yeah, that's a safe place to be here in Iowa. Yeah. yeah. So, Let's talk before I don't I want to limit our serious stuff, but I know that you probably have some thoughts on Afghanistan. Yeah. What's going on there? Yeah. We, we'd be remiss if we didn't actually talk about serious stuff because there's a hell of a problem. over there. Yeah. Well, and I listened to your um, your special podcast you did also with Senator Cotton, you know, and much like his office, our office is just inundated. That's with people. great. And um, I actually have a, a, a National Guard recruiter in my district who's been reaching out to me who worked with he served in Afghanistan. He's oh, worked wow, with yeah. a lot of these folks. And so he's been trying to connect them with our office and. You know, we're trying to connect them with the State Department because at this point um, they have been left behind and uh, it, it's really been a sad response um, yeah. and sad in how it was dealt with and, and then a sad response by our Commander-in-Chief. I mean, this is a complete failure on their administration. And when I heard, you know, and obviously we've had some classified briefings over the last eight months, but when I heard that they knew intelligence reports over the summer that this was going to be bad and they did nothing. I mean, <sighs> the, the, the we're getting called back, you know, next week for session again and mm-hmm. I think we should be less focused on spending three and a half trillion dollars and more focused on actually getting answers to what happened in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I mean, look, the the priorities are obviously out of whack here. Mm -hmm. But the idea that they handed over Bagram Air Force Base before we got Americans out, I mean, come on. Well, and we just lost a strategic um, area in the Middle East. I think ultimately, long term, um, if you don't like the deal, renegotiate the deal. That's something that Trump would have done, obviously, President Trump. And um, and I think it's, it's just... He's, he said the buck stops with me, yet he's he passed blame. And I, I think that's just That was a, the best part about that. About I can't that. believe, yeah, Biden. Uh, he blamed the, the victims. Right. Unbelievable. And then he went back to Camp David. Yeah. Right back. Yeah. Unbelievable. You spent think, a 30-minute speech the first 20 minutes. You blame everybody else for the yeah. problem. And then the last 10, you're like, but the buck stops with me. Yeah. 
you know, real leadership would have been taking accountability, but also presenting a solution to the problem. And I, right. I just think that's what was missing, um, you know, not only from that address, but then the press conference that, you know, came out of the Pentagon later, um, just a complete failure. I mean, they, they couldn't answer questions. They had no plan for getting Americans out, not to mention our allies, again, who have helped us. Um, and I, I blame Democrats in Congress, too, because we had the whole month of July we were out there. That's right. And instead of, uh, you know, focusing on, on this very real problem, which we knew about, uh, they wanted to spend trillions of dollars that we don't have on priorities Americans don't want. Yeah, that's right. Well, and it came as a surprise to most Americans because, of course, we don't have journalism left in this country either. Yeah, no kidding. But <laughs> I, yeah, I, I uh, left uh, a newsroom. I was a news anchor for more than 10 years, and um, I worked in the Cedar Rapids TV market, and um, I got myself out of bed at 2 a.m. every day. I was the morning Oh, you, were the, you did the oh, morning wow. shift. Yeah, so um, I figured if I could get out of bed at 2 a.m., I could do just about anything <laughs> in my life. But, you know, I, I left to run for office in 2016. Um, they, they frown upon, apparently, you being on the air and being a political candidate. But yes. I don't know why, because what you hear coming out of their, their mouths is pretty much political pundits now. Um, right? Masquerading it's as what they do, so, right? I mean, yeah. that's the thing. They just call themselves journalists. They're actually candidates for office, or at least propagandizers yeah. Yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I don't want to, I mean, there are definitely good journalists out there still, and there are people who do care, but um, Foldy. nationally. Foldy's here. He's yeah. a good journalist. Yeah. <laughs> hey, salute to you, man. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate the stars and stripes on your shirt. Nice. Exactly. He's not afraid to oh, show it. Snoopy. Oh, yeah. That's no, Foldy full, full always peacocks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Looking good over there, yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I, I think I left that newsroom at absolutely the right time because it was it was frustrating to me. And, you know, I, I pride myself on, as a morning anchor, going through copy and training our producers right. on balance, making sure they understood, hey, if you're going to present where this candidate is today, y'all you also got to tell where the other side is. Yeah, exactly. Um, but just getting back to that balance, I think, would be – the first correction we could do on the on the. I mean, were you journalism. blown away? I mean, your your career obviously you made in journalism, but were you blown away when you got to Congress and you saw what was going on in the halls, the questions you were being asked, the yeah. like basically the most important thing when you arrived was what the latest tweet was and your reaction to it, rather than, yeah. for instance, what's happening in Afghanistan. Yeah, the world lives on uh, the world does not live on Twitter, you know, right. and that's what I tell people is you know journalists in in DC live Smug on Twitter. Does. I know you do, so. <laughs> but I enjoy your Twitter, by the way. So I, I find it uh, very witty and. Uh, um, entertaining, but you know, I, th I think the majority of Americans are not paying attention to what happens on Twitter every day, right. and that's what I try to do in my district. Is you know, I'm going around talking with people. The state fair is a prime example of that. Oh, that's so great! They're not on their phones. You look around here. Not um, a person. Not a phone no. out. People are actually spending time with their families. They're having um, those conversations, experiencing, celebrating Iowa, and right. that's uh, that's what we do here in Iowa, and we do it really well. Oh, I love it! It's just such a breath of fresh air to get out from the Beltway see real Americans yeah. talk about real stuff. I mean, everybody yeah. here has just I mean, been so I mean, can you wonderful. wear that tank top in D.C.? I guess you probably I mean, could. I could. Yeah. <laughs> People might think things. <laughs> but the hat's a nice touch. You know, that really classes it up for us. Yeah, it's, he's like, he's, he's ready for a Kenny Chesney concert. Yeah. yeah. You know? right. Well, I feel like you're throwing some heat my way. No, it's fine. It's guy, fine. Guy you're very prepared. Guy put a golf outfit on and <laughs> came to yeah. stay fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask one serious question. Yeah. Which is very impressive, uh, you know, for all our listeners, you should be paying attention to what Congresswoman Henson's getting done, because we are in the minority, and she's gotten a bill passed. Yeah. But That's the, impossible. Did, yeah. yeah. She's got the Sergeant Ketchum Act passed. How yeah. do you get that done? Yeah. Well, I, it's a lot of advocacy across the aisle. Um, I worked with Congressman Axney from Des Moines here, um, and then our entire Iowa de delegation worked together on this. And, you know, there are still policies that we all agree need to happen. That's what we should be focusing on in yeah. D.C., right, is these things that we all agree need to happen and move. And we can actually move forward and make progress. And I, 
you know, I've only been in office eight months, but I think, you know, if there's one piece of feedback that I've gotten from back home, it's why can't you all, I hate to say, why can't you all just get along? Yeah. That's probably not always going to happen, but why can't you just focus on the things that actually need to get done? That's and, right. Um, and this is one of those things, you know, we had a veteran who, Sergeant Ketchum, uh, served our country valiantly overseas, uh, came back, had PTSD, like many veterans do, um, sought help and was turned away and then took his own life as a oh, result. Geez, and so, I mean, tragic. it's an absolutely heartbreaking story. Yeah. And so um, we actually worked together to, to establish new programs for, for veterans' mental health and access in rural areas, which um, I had three main goals when I when I went to Washington to do this job. It was to stand up for taxpayers, stand up for rural America, and then fight for safety and security for our families. And yeah, I think I that it. this really, it, it hits those um, nails on the head. I mean, it stands up for our veterans, stands up for rural America, and that access, that's so important. So, 100%. Um, no so I'm, I'm very excited about this because ultimately this will actually help people. Yeah. And it's something to be proud of. So I, I was in the Oval Office um, for the bill signing. I went, um, and uh, myself, Congresswoman Axney, Congresswoman Miller Meeks from Iowa's second district as well. Oh, we love um, her. Yep. yep, and the VA secretary. So, and then um, Congressman Ryan from Ohio. So, a true bipartisan bill. Yeah, um, we were very excited to get that across the finish line. And yeah, you can still get things done in the minority. I mean, it's if incredible you so quickly right and in the minority to get that done. It's it's unbelievable. Plus, yeah. it's always cool, and I know you appreciate this. It, more than most, but it's always cool to be in the Oval Office no matter who the president yeah. is. And I had you never know? been in the Oval Office before. Yeah. I mean, it was a pinch me moment, right? right. I mean, just, you're looking around, and I did take the pen. It's on display in my office. Oh, good. Because, um, I, I got the pen where he did sign Biden. So, you know, they split it up with their name, you know. And, um, you can't get everything. Yeah. I don't agree with him on many things, but I'd like to thank the president for signing that bill. Yeah, that's that's important stuff. And you can get stuff done, which in a short congressional career, that's really super impressive, especially how partisan things are right now. Yeah. And it's you know? a tough environment. I mean, it, it's interesting on appropriations. You know, most of our fights were about uh, a lot of our fights were about the Hyde Amendment this yeah. year. Um, because I don't believe, and I, I think it's a line in the sand for Republicans, we don't believe taxpayers should be funding abortions in, in this country or any country. Right. Um, and I, I think most Americans would be appalled to know that there are millions upon millions of dollars going to other countries to pay for abortions and forced sterilizations. And so... Um, it used to be yeah, a no-brainer. You yeah. know, when I started working in the Senate, the Hyde language was just what you put in in every appropriations yeah. bill. And there was, you know, there was a handful of Democrats that objected to it. But everybody understood if you want to get over the finish line right. that was in there. And now in the last couple of years, holy smokes, just an entire change. It's a fight every time. Yeah. Well, I'm hopeful that they'll come to come to center on that because I think it is a it's a non-starter for us. Yeah. And, um, judging by what we're seeing happen, it's quite the cluster under Pelosi. And, um, you know, I, I haven't seen so much crap come out of an office um, <laughs> except hey you know if you walk over to the cattle barn you might see something here but, um, but it's just been awful what's been coming out of the democrats in congress and again we need to be focusing more on the priorities that really help people and um i don't understand why they believe they have this mandate um they have a narrow majority both yeah. in the house and the senate and they keep chugging out this this uh spending spending spigots on they're chugging out policies that iowans and americans don't want or need yeah well, i mean it's really something the way that she's basically being led around by the squad at this point yeah like they're the ones calling the shots over there which is yeah. amazing right no. i mean everybody's afraid of a primary from the left right that's right. really what it is i mean and so you've got chuck schumer who's you know posturing in the senate because he sees what aoc is threatening yep. in new york yep. um same in the house and um, i just think it's unfortunate because the people who lose are the American people when it when you have one group of extreme on either side. Right. You know, in my mind, um, and 
and again, it's okay. Let's let's come to the table and actually have a real conversation. But nobody seems to want to compromise because that's a dirty word now. Ashley, you're so reasonable. What the hell are you doing in yeah, Washington? Actually, getting things done. Hey, I'm bringing that <laughs> Iowa common sense to Washington D.C., man. And I can tell you, um, you know, the way we live here in Iowa, we we understand the bottom line. We understand spending within your means. Um, yeah. I still drive the same minivan I've been driving since 2013. Oh yeah. I think. Where's my husband? He's here. 176,000 miles on the minivan. He's giving, he's giving me the thumbs up. He's like, keep driving that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It keeps on trucking, literally. I, I wish, you know, secretly inside, I'm like, I'd like something else. But, it, yeah, it's a great, great vehicle <laughs> for the fam. Yeah, of course, exactly, right? It's practical, yeah. and that's all Very that matters. Very practical, yeah. So I got to ask you, you're, you're a, obviously a champion of uh, pork producers. Yeah. Uh, we, love, we love Iowa pork. We hate Washington pork. Right. That's right. No, that's a good one. Right. I like and, that. I, and I've got my yeah. bacon right yeah, here. I know. I'm we have emergency bacon stash here for, at JR South Pork Ranch. It's a fanny pack that literally has a bag of bacon in tinfoil <laughs> yeah. to keep it warm. That's amazing. I it's love incredible. Iowa. You know, that's I mean, the thing on two fronts. I'm going to have number some right one, now. Number one, the bacon, but number two, the fanny pack. Yeah. <laughs> because fanny packs are back in action. That's right. Uh, at the Field of Dreams game, like, the only thing you could get in with was a fanny pack. And so, oh, so uh, I've been like looking for one of those. Mandated fanny pack. Yeah, I mean... I think Perfect. that they're style. You can get a pretty style and fanny pack, and but one with bacon on it. I mean, that's just sexy. <laughs> I mean, this is good bacon. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Dunk, dunk I was best. Yeah. No, um, we bacon makes it better. I'm a big proponent of that. I actually have three pounds of bacon in my fridge at home right now. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. So we so, eat bacon in but, our house. but there's been a little controversy, which I think you're sort of leading the fight against. Yeah. So uh, California wants to ban our bacon. Apparently, exactly. Which um, I talk think about that because yeah. I don't think we we mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago, and there were some people like, "What? Yeah, it's insane." No, but it's so true, they wanna, right? They want uh, our hogs to live in Hilton's practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the way. You know, our our Iowa pork producers do it right. They understand. They respect animals. They respect the process. But um, I believe. People in California seem to think that bacon comes from the grocery store. But uh, yeah, I would invite right. them to come right yep. here to the Iowa State Fair to go see where bacon actually comes from. And, yes. Um, and, they, I mean, you, you look at the cost. This is going to this is gonna cost those small mom-and-pop breakfast places because they're going to have to charge an arm and a leg uh, to, to put bacon on someone's well, and, and just ima- totally. just imagine, you know, being one of these, you know, uh, small restaurants who've survived COVID, you yeah. know, gone, gone through all of the restrictions – you know, accommodated things like outdoor dining and all, all of this stuff just, just to stay afloat, right? And then you reopen and you want to, you want to start serving oh. breakfast again. They're like, actually, you know what? Can't have bacon. <laughs> Can't have bacon. Also eggs, right? I mean, that's yeah, the other right. thing they want to regulate. So, so you know, I introduced a piece of legislation. It's called the EATS Act. Let's and, go. Um, Amazing. Yeah, yeah, because everybody wants to eat more bacon. So I love it. Um, you know, that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, California, stop messing with interstate commerce here. Um, let us grow our bacon how we want to, um, and don't interfere with that. People want to be able to have access to that market. Um, Iowa pork producers and Nebraska, the Midwest, we need access to California's market. Right. Um, otherwise, you know, countries like China will directly benefit from that's this. Exactly that's exactly right. I mean, that's what I think they're so short-sighted in seeing is they're actually torpedoing our, our country's success by doing policies like this. And um, completely out of touch, the liberals in California want to, to do this. And um, don't California or Iowa. That's what we're saying. Oh, it's we such a good... I yes. think that's a bumper sticker in the that's making. That's great. Maybe, Something so. tells so, me so Pelosi's not going to be as, as hot on that one as she yeah. was your first piece of Sorry. legislation. I'll <laughs> knock down her door, but I might, you know, again, you have to step in some poop on the way. So, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, torpedoing our success, so for four years we had a secure border, 
You didn't get yeah. these record numbers of uh, people making it across illegally. And now we have an absolute mess. One of the yeah. many messes that we, we've gotten in just, you know, the short seven, eight months under Biden. Yeah. Total cluster at the border. Um, I think last month was more than 200,000 crossings, illegal crossings. Those are just the ones they caught. Just incredible. And uh, I like to tell people, you know, we just got the census numbers back. And Cedar Rapids has a, a, about 137,000 people. And, uh, you know, more than the city of Cedar Rapids in one month. And that's happened every wow. month. I mean, that's it's getting worse. It's compounding every month. And I had a chance to go down to the border in April and, you know, what I saw, what I heard from local law enforcement, what I heard from Customs and Border Patrol agents, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, this is not just a, a national security tragedy because I, I seriously am concerned about the implications there. And nobody wants to talk about that because everybody, obviously we have a huge people problem, but this is a security problem for yeah. our country. And right. uh, at that point, it was more than 60 countries that had come in just in that, I think just in that sector, no Del Rio kidding. sector. And that's, it's more across the whole border. So we don't know. They can't, they can't tell us who's coming in. They can't track even once they're releasing them, where they're going in this country. So it's just a complete mess. Um, the Department of Homeland Se uh, Security Secretary, uh, Mayorkas, flat out misled our committee yeah. um, when he came before our committee several months ago. And so we're asking him some very serious questions about that. Um, you know, you look at what's happening in Afghanistan. Uh, they, they released a bunch of terrorists yeah. right, uh, literally in their country. Uh, I think this is a huge liability for us going forward. So um, there's humanitarian crisis both in Afghanistan and here at home. There's a national security crisis both in Afghanistan and here at home. And these failures are directly a result of the Biden administration. You know, you'd be hard-pressed right. hard to find a single thing that has improved, yeah. right? I mean, literally, even COVID, right? These guys inherited an office where you've got a million vaccinations a day happening. Yeah. And they're like, you know, taking credit for the dawn. A rooster taking credit for the dawn at this point. And then like seven, eight months down the line, they're like, oh, it's, you know, these conservatives, these vaccine shy conservatives. Yeah. And it's like, there's not a single thing that they came into office, a problem that has not been made significantly worse. Right. Again, I don't understand why they believe they have this mandate because they're not focusing on the problems that actually need to be solved right. or, or even the problems he really laid out in his uh, right. his address when he was inaugurated, right? And I think that's what's gone missing is that's supposed to be your roadmap and then um, it's just been a complete failure on, on so many fronts. And um, so I, I, I'm trying to cut through that, continue to put my head down, do the job every day because we have to take back the house and fire Nancy Pelosi that's in right. 2022. That's right, that's right. Um, I hear that from Iowans every day out on the road. That's awesome. Well, listen, I got two state fair questions before we get into our final oh. thing. The first yes. is, you, for listeners of the program, Smug has always had a high opinion about his ability to, to take on an animal. <laughs> oh, boy. And, and animal as a, fighting. As yeah. an Iowa girl, I would love for you to disabuse him of the notion that he could take down a horse. Okay. Or, or a cow. You know, have you ever gone cow tipping? Oh. Never gone tipping. Okay. Let's get into Let that. Let me just give you a word of advice. You will probably break your shoulder. <laughs> um, we, I just took my kids and my husband down to the cattle barn. And, um, you know, those things weigh uh, thousands of tons. Literally. Literally tons. Yeah, have you been? You haven't been to see no, the big bull, going, right? We're going right after this. Okay. Yeah. That might give you some good perspective <laughs> say of just how big these animals are but most of them are sweethearts you know and that's maybe not the bull but right um, most of the cattle in the cattle barn will be good for fun yeah 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 exactly it might be you know you want a true exposure to iowa agriculture um you know go see the bull <laughs> it's the challenge <laughs> the it's biggest the... boar the biggest bull that's right okay so that that clears things up my second <laughs> question is we're gonna go hunting around here in a bit for some food okay right yeah and I feel like you're going to have some recommendations. We need. We need we, to know the inside track. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
first things first, um, you've got your you got some bacon there. Got the bacon. But yeah. I recommend you going to go see the actual pork producers because they do bacon on a stick, and it is the best bacon you will have. Uh, so have the bacon on a stick. I also make it. sure you get a pork chop on a stick. Absolutely. They, they have you know the bottles of barbecue sauce ready to go right there. Oh, you just nice. throw it on. Yes. It's just really really good. And then my fair favorite is the pickle dog. Pickle dog. So it's like a pickle spear, and you wrap it in cream cheese, and then you can wrap it in ham or pastrami. So you can have it cold, or you can have it fried. Oh, yeah. incredible. So I love Iowa I would, so much. I would try it both ways if I were you. So where do we find this? Thing? Is this Just, like... So there's food everywhere. I yeah, mean, right. Obviously, like, even where we're sitting, I'm seeing the tenderloin. You know, tenderloins are great. How long are you here? We're going to be here all day today. Unfortunately, that's Did you it. stretch your stomach out? I mean, that's... Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, absolutely. Did you, like, pre-eat? I've spent like... the last week preparing for this. We're going to yeah, be like okay. Joey Chestnut today. <laughs> yeah. You know? We're going to be like Kobayashi. How you should see Duncan. How many can you eat? I'm going to throw it all down. Yeah. Anything and everything. You I'm should okay. see him bird Wash it down with the Iowa bourbon when you're done. That's right. Perfect. Yeah, drunk and really full. That's perfect. Well, that's pretty much most people at the fair. So. I love it. Love it. Yeah, awesome. Have a good time. No, I, I think no matter where you go, you can't go wrong. Um, you want dessert. You know, there's the, the homemade cookies are fabulous. I've heard so much about the cookie the, bucket. The fried Oreos. They taste like a brownie. Oh, them. yes. So good. I mean, just the classic fair food. You just got to do it and just kind of eat your way through the day. Uh, it's, it's like Thanksgiving. You got to put on your stretchy pants and just be ready to go. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No apologies. Yeah. No, right. great, great time. And, um, you know, I'm excited. My kids are excited for the rides. That's what we got here. And they're like, don't you love the smell of the farm in the morning? And then where are the rides? That's yeah, where are yeah. the rides? Right. <laughs> so. Where are the rides? Uh, no, I, it's awesome. Yeah. All right. So here's the three big questions. I know you got a okay. lot of stuff to do today, but this is the stuff that we all pay attention to. Yeah. Right. So the first question is your last meal on earth, Ashley Hansen, what would it be? Well, we've talked a lot about pork today, but I have to say my uh, my last meal would be some good Iowa corn-fed beef, uh, medium rare, medium oh, rare steak. I like that. Uh, probably New York strip. Yes. With some Bernays sauce on the top, and be, I'd be in heaven. That's and I'd probably be going there anyway. So. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> absolutely right. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So let's do. Usually, the second question is all about pol- Like, if you weren't in politics, what would you be doing with your life? Yeah. I know you were a journalist. Yeah. Let's like separate that out, right? Blue sky here. If you weren't in politics, anything. if you weren't, you know, if you didn't follow the career path that you did, what would you like to be doing with Well, your I think life? podcasting seems like a pretty there good option. There it is. There we go. Yeah. 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 You need some estrogen on your show. Yeah. You, you know who to call here. Oh, I, nice. Yeah, okay. absolutely. But, um, you can no, be a fill-in. You can come in whenever you want. Yes. Yes. Open yes. invitation. Yeah. Honestly, I love radio. I actually started in radio. That's I was a, uh, at my high school, Valley High School here in West Des Moines, yeah. Iowa. Uh, we had KWDM The Point. I was a DJ. I was a terrible DJ, by the way. But I was the morning news girl. Give us the call for, letters. Uh, KWDM The Point. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. So, um, so I would love to go. I love radio. So yeah. I would I would love to go back on radio. And, and honestly, it's nice when you don't have, you know, news is so scripted and everything yeah. is like 30 seconds and you have to read this pace or, or, you know, you have to go to commercial. You're getting the rap in your ear. And. I just I like the free form a little bit better. Some time fill, right? Yeah. You can yeah. get to know the audience, and the audience can get to know you. Absolutely, it's a great time. So I'd probably be in radio if I weren't. I uh, love that. Yeah. Okay, well, and now yeah. we know we're going to be calling your office much more than you ever want. <laughs> uh, Sophie, stand by. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, third and final question. This gets to the heart of everybody's motivation. What motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? And I can explain yeah. this, right? So it's okay. like you listen to it, they're like, who likes? agony of defeat that's the point right 
So the thrill at victory or the optimist, glass half full, always striving for the goal type yeah. person. Agony of defeat is like Michael Jordan, yeah. right? Where every day the, the idea that someone can beat him just kills him. Yeah. Well, I've never lost an election, there so I go. don't know what that feels like. But I, I can tell you what, I, I celebrate those victories, right? I am in it for the, the thrill of the victory because you, you talk smug about the bill that we got passed. That's a victory yeah. for people, right? And so that's why I do this. And it sounds maybe a little cheesy, but it's true. I mean, I, I think those small victories are big wins. And especially in a place like D.C. where you're one of 435, right. a small victory is a big, it's a big win. So, well, your win was certainly a big one yeah. and totally incredible. Oh, yeah. We were excited about that. And we're going to work hard to make sure we keep this seat in 2022 because... Uh, again, if you're seeing mixed mixed messages and mixed up priorities coming out of D.C., we got to keep this seat and, and take back the house. Let's give you a website plug where you can listeners can help you out. Sure. AshleyHinson.com. Pretty easy, but um, we'd love to have you on the team and, and help us out across the country. Spread the good message about uh, what we need to what we need to do to get this country back on track. And, don't, and donate. Donate. And buy bacon yes. from, <laughs> Iowa. Bacon from <laughs> Iowa. And drink Iowa bourbon. Yeah, I love it. Bourbon. It's a good combo. So. Ashley, thank you so much for spending some time yeah, with us today. We really appreciate me. it. Yeah, awesome. Enjoy your time at the fair. Uh, thank, thank you so you. much. <laughs> so, until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you next week. Stay ruthless. Yeah, all right. Woo! Thank you, everybody. Thank, thank you. you. That was amazing. Wow. This is... Yeah, we're off. Yeah. <laughs>